0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media.
1: Thank you, Father. Isn't he so good? He is so good. Cause up until that time, the Father was just Jesus' father. But now he's ours. Isn't that beautiful? And thank you, youth band. That was beautiful. Can we give them a hand clap? (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It was beautiful and really ministered to me. And um, it's a real honor to um, be here and minister and share what God's put on my heart and just pass it on. Because doesn't he talk to us? He talks to us every single day. And I believe that he has something very specific for your situation, for your need, that he wants to meet today because he's interested in you. And it's so beautiful. So it's a real honor that the Caminettis have asked Luke and I to, to be here to minister. And so we don't take it lightly, but we're excited about it too. And um, I'll open in prayer. So, Father God, we just thank you so much for this time together to come around your word, to come around a common table. In, partake of your spiritual food that you have placed out for us. And we put our expectations high, Lord, into you. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. and you're, I pray that you minister to every single person's heart today, that you touch every single person's heart, Lord, in their need, Lord. I just thank you that we're here as a family. And no one's left out, but everyone is in the family, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. How beautiful is he? So beautiful. Um, as, as I was uh, thinking about what, what to do and what to share, um, the Lord said, just put it off. And one morning, um, I woke up and he gave it to me, as he does. And um, I started thinking about two words, faith and love. We hear those two words all the time, don't we? And... Um, We see sometimes faith and and love as almost distant cousins. Sometimes we'll preach on faith alone, preach on love alone, and rightly so. They're important. But I was thinking about it, and they're more like twins, faith and love, not distant cousins. They're more like twins. And twins, you know, they're very similar, but they have different personalities, don't they? But if you find one twin, you'll always find them together. You'll always find the other one. And um, so a key scripture that the Lord has put on my heart is Galatians 5, 6 in regards to faith and love. Yep, it's on the screens. So for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. And this is our, our key part of the scripture. But only faith working through love. And what that's saying here is faith It can only work. It can only operate. It can only function, become effective whenever it comes from love. Love is what gives it its platform. Love is like putting oil into your car. It makes it work. It makes all the moving parts come together. And, you know, even just just last week, I was driving somewhere and I tell you what, it was dangerous. My car started to like You know what I mean and you're like going up a hill even and you know just something's wrong with your car and I just knew I need to get my oil changed (laughs) I need new oil and so I knew right whenever I put that oil in I saved myself from bad things happening to me hallelujah I'm so glad I'm here today it's true and so we we put oil in my car and I really saw that that love is like the oil to our engine of faith Love is what makes it work all together. And it's it's amazing, because love actually fuels faith. It's amazing. Um, And it operates through faith, and so, or faith operates through love. And the Lord gave me this picture, and I thought it was very interesting, so I'm just gonna come down here for a moment. And I, I was thinking about this. Where you have love, love is like this platform it's the foundation for which our faith can spring from, because faith is the action, faith is the movement. So I saw it where it's like, as we walk in faith, we have this platform of love that we're walking on. As we keep walking in faith, we're actually walking in love. And you see how love provides stability for me? I'm not like falling through the cracks or something, you know, like it's holding me. Love is stable, love is constant. And um, so, I read this. I was, I was thinking about this. And I, re- I read this, and I was like, that's so good. Don't you love good things? And um, it said, the law by which that action, so that action of faith, that step of faith, is regulated through the law of love. That's interesting. And I was thinking about that, because then your faith then begins to have a purpose. Your faith then beca- begins to have a goal, and a destination, and a direction. And so it's not just like your faith's just arrows spitting out everywhere, but it provides a purpose. Do you see that? And so um, I was thinking about this, and we can see that in John 3.16. In John 3.16, I love this verse. This is actually my favorite verse of Scripture. And um, I love that, for God so loved the world... If we even just stop right there. He is love. We know that about God. And God saw mankind. And he didn't just have all this love in his heart. But not do anything about it. He expressed it. He expressed it by sending his very own son. And God's love is what actually fueled the action of him giving Jesus to mankind. Aren't you thankful that he didn't just leave mankind in this big old mess and say, figure it out yourselves? That was not God's heart, and that never is God's heart. Let's all get that very clear. He cares. That's why Jesus came. He wanted to show the world that he cares about your situation, about your specific circumstance, and just about you. He cares just about you. And so I thought this was so beautiful. And so um, an example I, that was on my heart from Jesus' life, and we can see this modeled in Jesus' life as well, um, was in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And if you have a Bible, please go there. It's good to get in the Word. That's where we're here. So Luke chapter 7. all right verse 12 please so just as he drew near so just as he jesus drew near the gate of the town behold a man who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widower and a large gathering from the town was accompanying her and when the Lord saw her, he saw her. Do you find that interesting? He, here's a situation that's right in front of Jesus. In his eyes, what he saw affected his heart. And he let that love come out. And so what did he do? He had compassion on her and said to her, don't weep. Do not weep. And he went forward and touched the funeral bear. So here's where his faith now is coming into action. Love motivated him to do something, and he had the faith to change it. And this is what happened. He went forward and touched the funeral bear, and the pallbearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the man who was dead sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back. To his mother that's amazing an amazing story an amazing miracle and but where did it all start it started in love in love and we I, we love miracles miracles are still for today amen they are for us today And miracles, why God does miracles is because he loves us and he wants to reach us. He wants to tell us that he cares. He wants to show us his heart and equip us and give us a testimony that we can go and share with others to share the love of God and say, hey, look what God's done in my life. He can do it in yours. Can he? So the love of God's not exclusive. And I love that in Jesus coming to earth, it wasn't just to show the love of God to mankind, he had another reason. Whenever he rose again, because he's risen, amen, whenever he rose again on high, it says now that whenever we're born again and we believe in him, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That same unconditional love is now in our hearts, where we can now go do his works motivated by that very love. It's amazing. He wanted to get his love in us as well, to enable us. And what was so amazing is this amazing testimony of the man getting risen from the dead. It says profound and reverent fear seized them all, and they began to recognize God and praise him. They began they actually recognized God. So the key wasn't that Jesus Jesus was not ashamed to love in public. Interesting, because I know I, I've had situations where I'm afraid to hold, I hold back love because I think that person already has it all together. I don't know, silly reasons. We hold back love out of fear, it's all right. They, they know they're loved, it's all good. But Jesus loved openly and publicly, and the people were drawn to that love, and love is what drew people to him to believe in him. To have faith in him. So again, we see the two working together. And I love that. So again, love provided that direction for Jesus and that movement. And it was intentional to meet that woman's need. How many of you know he wants to meet your need? He wants to meet your need. And he can. He's able. And that's why Jesus came to show that he's able. And so this is just one of the many stories that, that Jesus has done. Um, And I was thinking about this and um, it brought me to 1 Corinthians 13.2. It's on the screens. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. That's a strong statement, don't you think? But thank God we all have the love of, love of God in our hearts, shed abroad by the Holy Ghost. But I, I was thinking about this. What if Jesus saw that woman or saw a man on the side of the road and he had this amazing, wonder-working power to do something for her? But if he didn't have love, this is what would have happened. Oh, she'll be right. Keep keep, keep walking on. Aren't you thankful that's not our God? He doesn't just see and then keep walking. He's not careless. He's not a stone. He's flesh. He feels with us. He's a compassionate high priest. Isn't that good? And I was just, I, I wanted to cry at that. And I was thinking about all the times in my own life that God the Father has gotten to father me and meet my needs. I would not have been here in Australia had it not been for the love of God and I had a revelation of the love of God in my life. Amazing, probably none of you here today, you, you all had an encounter with God's love at some point or else I don't think you'd be here. He's a loving God and that's why he attracts people. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And I was thinking about another beautiful story. Um, Jesus, even just on a practical level, he wants to meet us where the feeding of the 5,000. And for one, don't you just love that people flocked around Jesus? He was just that attractive. He was so attractive that it said even the sick, they'd just lay beds of sick people in front of him. And here he's trying to get to the mountain to pray. You know, he's just trying to want him to pray, receive from God, and hear from God. But the people are like, not, not, not. We found you again. Here we are. Okay, heal our sick, you know? But he never pushed them away. That's not him. And he'd say, let them come. And as many as touched him, they were what? Healed. Healed. Why does he heal? Because he doesn't want us sick, because he loves us. That's him. And um, (laughs) it's amazing, because love never fails. He never fails. And the Lord put it in my heart this morning. We're in a new year with new resolutions that we're going to keep for three months. (laughs) If that, if you've already failed, there's no condemnation. Okay? There's no guilt. I'm not here to point a finger. Okay, but I was thinking about that, and um, the love put it, or the love, well, God is love, so he did put it in my heart. God put it in my heart for us today that though we're in this new year, new hopes, bring on 2018, but we're still carrying old baggage from maybe years ago. And what I heard specifically from the Holy Spirit was failures. Fear of failure in this year. Maybe failed relationships from your past. Disappointments. Things that you started that didn't work. Failure. Failed relationships. <sighs> wow, that's a big need, don't you think? But he's bigger, and he can meet that. And, um, Love casts fear out. That's what love does. And I was brought to this beautiful story, and we know it very well, and it's the woman of Samaria, and I'll just tell it to you. As you know, she was a Samaritan woman, and for one thing, they were looked down upon in their culture, so she already had that against her. And two, she had quite the past, quite a past, and um, that's why she would go at noonday when no one else was there drawing water from this well So, because she felt shame from her failures so she felt like she had to hide and I know I've done that before I'll just put on a you know, smile and even to God I'll like God I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but I felt like I failed and he, he wants to address it with me but you know I'm trying to like hide. It doesn't work God doesn't want us to hide because he sees us already just like that widower whose son had died and um, but he was raised again hallelujah ends in victory but this woman though he, he asks her after telling her that you know there's there's water that I have for you that's living water eternal water that will never run dry never run dry and she starts asking him questions about this water and he, turn, he turns to her and says, woman, go, go and call your husband and bring him here. And she admits, I don't, I don't have a husband. And he said, you've, you've spoken truly. And you know what he says? You, you'd think this would be really confrontive and a bit accusatory. But he says, woman, you have had five husbands. And the woman that, or the man that you're now living with is not your husband. So this woman, she had a past, don't you think? I bet she felt so much failure from failing at five marriages onto her sixth one. Not even a marriage, Just I'm going to just live with the guy because my past five marriages didn't work out. I bet she felt failure. She sensed that, and that's why she was hiding. But it was interesting because he didn't say that to accuse her. He said that to free her from that. It was for freedom. The truth sets you free. And he was the living truth right there. To take that, to take that shame, and to redefine her with the love of God. And it was really interesting because it actually became her testimony that converted the whole town. She, she went into town, meet a man who told me everything I'd ever done. I bet she didn't want to bring that up ever, uh, her past, you know. And now she's telling the whole town about her past. She didn't feel failure anymore. She knew that she wasn't a failure because she had met the Son of God who was her victory and who gave her victory over that. And it became her testimony. And she went on and Jesus, they begged Jesus to stay for two more days just to minister, because they saw the love that he had for them. And that's why it caused faith. It caused faith. And so today, before finishing up, and I pass on to, to Mr. Luke Hurtado. He's great, guys. You'll love him. He, um, I really felt that God wanted to replace that fear and that sense of shame with with love with faith and so can everyone just bow their heads this isn't an altar call but this is between you and God not the person next to you and I just to say between yourself you you know those areas God knows those areas and so say Father God I thank you that you gave Jesus to take away all shame, to take away all sense of failure. And so I receive your love right now, your perfect love that casts out fear. I declare 2018 free from all fear from all fear of failing. I am a winner in Jesus. And my past does not define me. Christ defines me. Amen. Isn't that good? So um, expect amazing things, because love never fails. And so you know what that means? Love always wins. Hallelujah! So expect 2018 to have a lot of wins. Uh, Amen. So Luke, on to you.
0: Hallelujah. Praise God. So nice to be here to be able to minister the word of God to you, to have the opportunity to to minister God's heart to to his people this morning. Um, I've known Kenzie for a few years now, and I've always known that the love of God is something that's very personal to us. We can see that in the way that she ministered this morning. But as she's ministering, like I noticed something you probably noticed as well, that there was something inside of her, it was a gift. You can see there's a gift of God that was operating in her just now. And I want to encourage everybody that's here today that each and every one of you here have got a gift that's inside of you. It's not a gift that man has given you, it's not a gift that someone has given to you, but it was actually given to you by your God. And he's given that God to you, not just to hold on to the gift and to look, just look at it like it's nice and pretty. But he's given that gift to you so that you can actually open it up, explore it, and to operate with that gifting. That gift is actually connected to what you're called to do here on earth. So when you operate in it and you understand that gift, you'll have a sense and an idea of what God's calling you to do here on on the earth. And the title of my message this morning is called The Gift in You. And I'm going to share a story with you, a little bit about my life and my experience and what I've understood about um, the gift that God's put in me and also the plan and calling that I feel like God's called me to here. I grew up on a little island just out here in Moreton Bay, a population of about 2,000 people, so it's very small. Everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows everything about everybody as well. But, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating, to be honest, when everyone knows everything. But um, as I was growing up, like we grew up in a Christian family, thank God that I did, but I always felt a real strong desire inside of my heart growing up as a child, um, up into my teens, that... God had a plan for my life and that he wanted me to do something bigger than myself for him. The frustrating thing for me was that I never knew how to open the gift that was in me. I knew that it was in there. I knew that he had something that he wanted me to do for him, but I didn't understand how I can operate or understand the gift. And I used to cry out. I'd say, God, Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do in my life? Just tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. And I got frustrated because I never heard an audible uh, voice speak back to me and say, Luke, this is what I want you to do. At that point in my life, I didn't understand about the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I definitely didn't understand how to um, interpret the word of God correctly. I didn't have people to come alongside me and help me to understand what the word of God said. So in saying that, I had a heart for God. I wanted to seek God and know more. I wanted to do more than just come to church and just live a mediocre life. I wanted to live the fullness of what God had for me. So I'd go to this little church. We went to a little Presbyterian church, 20 people there on a Sunday, 30 if it was a good Sunday. And they had those really hard wooden seats, you know, those really annoying ones that are really uncomfortable. Some of you are nodding your heads like you know what I'm talking about. Praise God, we've got some nice comfy seats in this church. And what I'd notice is that when the offering was taken up, it was a plate, a wooden plate that would be handed around. And as a young child, I'd notice what went on that plate, because money to me, I didn't have any as a child. It just We didn't, just didn't receive it. So I'm seeing this money and I'm noticing how much money's going on this plate and I'm noticing there's a a few coins and maybe a small note or two on there. If you saw a $20 note, it was like, wow, there's a diamond on that plate. It just didn't happen. I'm thinking, hang on, God, if you're calling me to ministry, if the things that I'm feeling you're calling me to inside of my heart, it's ministry, why do I want to go into ministry when I'm seeing the preacher? Remember, this is the only understanding I had. I hadn't left that island. I had like small town syndrome. I didn't understand what the bigger cities looked like. So I'm thinking to myself, if God's called me to ministry, why would I want to do it when all I'm seeing is like a few coins on a plate? How's this guy going to live? It was really important for me to be prosperous in life. I'd seen what lack in people's lives looked like, and I definitely didn't want to experience that in my life. So very on purpose, I did something. And God knew exactly what I did. He knew, and looking back, I know that it was the devil that definitely used this against me. He knew prosperity was important to me, and he showed that to me i got the gift that was on the inside of me. I looked at it and I said, God, that gift and that calling, I feel like you're calling me this way and you want me to go and do what you want me to do. What I'm gonna do with that gift, God, is I'm actually gonna take it over here. I'm gonna put it on the shelf for a while. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go into the world, I'm going to go in my own strength here, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna be prosperous, I'm gonna do my own things, I'm gonna get a house, I'm gonna get good savings, I'm gonna get myself set up so that I can have a good family and live a good life. Then once I've done that all in my own strength, what I'll do is I'll come back and I'll pick up that gift. That's literally what I thought I'd do. So going forward, I, um, I did do that. I went out and I did things in my own strength. I ended up working on Hamilton Island. I started managing restaurants in uh, the world terms. I was successful at what I did. Um, I was moving forward quite well. I was really enjoying it. I was doing what I was doing. But as I'm walking along the path, I always knew God never left me right through that process. There was always that desire to come to God and to serve Him and to do more for Him burning on the inside of me. The only way I can describe it is it's like a little fire that's burning. The whole time I was experiencing that, I'd hear a voice, not an audible voice now, but it was a voice on the inside of me speaking to me. And I'd hear it saying, Luke, you're going the wrong way, turn back. And I'd keep going, I'm like, God, shh, just leave me alone, just leave me alone. And I'd keep walking down this path of what I'd determined that I'd do with my own strength, and I'd hear it again, Luke, you're going the wrong way, turn back, you're supposed to be going this way. And it got to the time where I was like, okay, God, all right, I feel this fire, I feel the, what you call me to, I've got to serve you, I've got to do more for you, I've been doing things my own way. So I did the only thing I knew what to do. I went to the word of God and I went to the only scripture that I memorized at that time. Many of us here will know it, it's Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven, which says, for I alone know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you for a hope and a future. So the word prosper really stood out to me now, and I'm thinking, okay, if God's calling me to a future, he wants to prosper me in that future. Earlier on in my life, I didn't step out in faith into what I felt like God was talking me to, backing it up, knowing that he was going to come through and prosper me in what I was doing. But this time I continued to read on. I thought, you know what, this is good stuff. I might read a couple more verses. So I read down a little bit more, and I got down to verse 13, and it says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I like nearly jumped up for joy. I was like, finally, if I seek God with all my heart, I'm actually going to find God. This is what I wanted from a young age. I wanted to find God and I wanted to find out what he wanted me to do in my life. So I was very excited about that. But at the same time, I was very dismayed because it said, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I thought, man, that sounds like a whole lot of work. If I'm, if I'm going to seek God with all my heart, Like, that's all your heart, you can't just half do it. So I thought, what I'm gonna have to do here is I'm gonna have to make some changes in my life. The way I was walking and the job that I was doing, I'm gonna have to like leave that, dedicate some real serious time into seeking God and going the way that he was calling me to from the very beginning. So I did that, I determined in my heart that what I was gonna do is I was gonna have a season just with me and God. I put in my resignation where I was working. Believe me, it wasn't a popular decision. My CEO, general manager and other leaders thought I was crazy for leaving a good job. You've just worked five years of your life uh, working into a really good career and got great potential for what you're doing. And you're gonna leave that to do what? Go to Bible college? Like, is that stuff even real? I'm like, yeah, it's real. I believe that stuff. And right now it's burning in my heart more than I can say that I'm burning to continue working in this company. So I handed that resignation. I came back here and went to Bible college. And I'll tell you what, those people didn't realize what, how significant that step, how significant the idea And the step to step into what God had called me to was going to be like. To actually spend time seeking God with all of my heart. I'll tell you what that scripture said, when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. I found God. He was waiting for me. When I started to spend time in the word of God and have revelation in the word of God, everything completely changed for me. I now understood and had a real strong sense of what God was calling me to do in my life. I understood God's heart. I started to have revelation in the word of God I'd never understood before. I started to understand that everything in the Bible was connected. And in a sense, it was like God started to show me something. And I started to look down from a higher perspective. I started to look from God's eyes. And I knew that everything here on earth was pointing to Jesus. Everything that was happening here on earth, everything that God was concentrated on, was focusing to his first coming, and now it was focusing on his second coming. I was like, wow, so my whole life so far, the last 10 years of my life, I've been focusing on my own heart and my own desires. I wasn't focusing on God's heart or his desires. So I came before God in prayer the first couple of months in Bible college at my desk and I remember lifting up, and this was a landmark moment for me. This is when things really began to change. I lifted up in prayer and I said, Father, I'm so sorry for walking away from what I felt called to do at a younger age. I said, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do in my life now. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I'll do whatever you want. I give you my life, it's no longer mine. I came to understand later on that that is actually a prayer of consecration, dedication. It's where you dedicate or consecrate your life to God. And as I started to think on that, I started to understand that's exactly what Jesus did when he was on the way to the cross. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to have to go through. He knew he was going to have to be crucified, he was going to get whipped, he'd have to die for us, embarrassed, humiliated. He'd have to go through such suffering and pain. But he came before the Father on his knees and he said, Father... If it be thy like, will, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was willing to humble himself under the mighty hand of God and say, not what I want to do in this life, Father. I know you've sent me here for a purpose. You've called me here to do something bigger than myself. I'm not going to do what I want, but I'm going to concentrate, consecrate myself to you and do what you want me to do. And I know, like looking back now, the ripple effects that have come from that. Nearly every person here in this room has the hope of eternity with Jesus in heaven. We've got rewards waiting for us in heaven. We've got even mansions and houses waiting for us in heaven. We've been given the word of God to live a victorious life here on earth while we're here. The ripple effect from the decision of one man making a decision to say, not my will, but your will be done in my life. What would happen if every believer on earth decided to do that? To really walk in the plan and the calling and use the giftings that God's given to us. How many salvations will there be? How many signs, miracles and wonders will we see? How many stories will we have to share with the the prophets of the Old Testament of what we experience here on earth? What will the glory of God look like here on earth? Nations will change, cities will change, governments will change. And I recognise that moment when I consecrated my life as the the landmark moment for me. As I carry on, I think back to the time when Paul was ministering and he, he was getting close to the end of his time of ministering. And he was working with a young man called Timothy in, in the ministry. He was training him up and teaching him a lot, of, a lot of things. And as Paul understood that he was about to end his ministry and leave this world, he sent a letter to uh, Timothy and spoke to him. And he encouraged him in saying, Look, Timothy, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to carry on what I've started. You're going to have to step into this call and into this plan, and you're going to have to carry it on. But in order for you to be able to do that, this is what you need to do. You're going to need some power to help you with that. And he said this in 2 Timothy, the first chapter in verse 6. He said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul saying to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you to be able to do what you've been called to do. You need to use the gift that he's been given. You need to stir it up and use it. Don't let it just lay there dormant. In the context of this scripture from my study Bible, I understand that he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he needed to stir up the Holy Spirit in his life to give him power, because you get power when you receive the Holy Spirit. And he needed that power to be able to do what God had been calling him to do. The same thing is true in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to enable us, to empower us, take us to another level in whatever it is that God's calling us to do. But it's the same thing is true with um, whatever it is, the gifting that's in you. Maybe you're a musician, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you work in childcare, maybe you're called to business. Whatever it is that you're called, you need the Holy Spirit in your life to help, um, to help empower you to do what you're doing, but you also need to stir up that gift in you. If you're called to, uh, to manage things, you need to stir up the gift of management in your life. You might have the ability to be able to do it, but unless you stir it up and begin to act on it and step out of it in faith, it's just laying there dormant in you. But God's given that gift and he's put these things inside of us for us to use and operate them. And it's not for our glory, but it actually glorifies God. It's actually to help him in what he's doing, reflecting on Jesus and ushering in the kingdom of God. When I stir up the gift of God inside of myself, when I start to do that, I start to look at the book of Acts, I start to look at the old prophets in the Old Testament, the men of faith, and it really stirs me up. I get excited. I'm like, look what they did. Look what they experienced. I'm like, that's what I want in my life. I'm not going to just settle for mediocre in my life. And it stirs up and it becomes like a red hot fire that's burning inside me. I can hardly hold it in. The only place in the Bible that I've found that can describe even a little bit about what I feel when I I do that is um, in Jeremiah the 20th chapter. In the context of this scripture, Jeremiah is called to be a prophet. He's called to speak forth the word of God. And for whatever reason in this scripture, Jeremiah doesn't want to do it. God's calling him to speak his word, but Jeremiah is saying, no, I don't want to speak. And this is what happened to him when he didn't want to do it. Jeremiah, the 20th chapter in verse 9, New King James Version says, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. So here God was telling Jeremiah to do something. This was the plan, Jeremiah. I want you to speak forth my word. But Jeremiah was like, No, I don't want to. I'm holding it back. But he grew weary of holding it back. It was like a fire that was burning inside of him. He couldn't help but to go forth and to speak what he was told to speak. When we stir up the gift of God in our lives, when we stir up the the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it becomes like a burning fire that's inside of us. We can't help but to do whatever it is that God's put in our life. We have to go forth. If he's calling you to do missions and go somewhere, you can't help but to go and do what he's done, what he's calling you to do. If he's calling you to go into finance or into business, when you stir up that gift inside of you, you can't help but to go forth and do what he's calling you to do. And you have power and grace to do it. It's not difficult. It becomes easy. All you need to do is stir up the gift of God that's operating inside of you. God wants you to use that gift. Now, here's the thing. I walked away from my gift and I put it on the shelf. But I came to understand a little bit later on that uh, Romans, the 10th chapter, you don't have it up there, and verse 29 says that the gifts of God and the calling of God are irrevocable. So the gift that's inside of you and the calling of God that's on your life can't be taken back. God's a giving God. When he gives something, he won't take it back unless you forced to give it to him. But I don't think that's true because this scripture says that it's irrevocable. You can't even give it back to him. It's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. So whether you're like me and you put it on the shelf for a little while, you can go right back and pick that gift up. You can go right back and step right back onto that plan of God that's in your life. It doesn't matter how long you might have walked away. It might have been 40, 50 years. I don't know how long it's been. You might have put it away just for a little while and you need to step back out. But it's irrevocable and you need to know that. You can pick right back up on what God's put on your heart. If it might have been like me, like twelve years old, gotta put things on my heart. You can pick it right back up. Today's the day to pick up the calling of God, to use the gift of God that's in you, to open up that gifting, to explore that gifting, to ask God's questions about that gift and how to use and operate those gifts that He's given to you. He's got a future for you so bright and so prosperous. If you just step out in faith into what he's calling you to do, you're gonna experience things you've never even dreamed of before. And it all begins by opening up the gifts, Just opening up the gift and trusting God's gift in you. This morning I just wanted to um, let you know if there is anybody here today and you don't know that heaven's going to be your home, and worship team, you can come up, thank you. We're going to give you an opportunity that you can step into the calling of God in your life and you can start to activate those giftings. But there's a step that you're going to need to take first. You're going to need to ask Jesus into your life and come into the kingdom of God. Jesus said that He is the way, the truth, and the life; that no man comes to the Father except through Him. Meaning, the only way to heaven is to get through Him. To get through Him. The way I see it is, Jesus is an elevator, and the way He goes, you go to Him, you go to heaven. And this morning, the elevator doors are open, and you can step right into that elevator. And you can know for sure that when you pass from this life, that you're going to have rewards in heaven, you're going to have a home to live in that he's going to build for you. And that while you're here on earth, you can have a prosperous life, a victorious life. But you've got to step into the elevator. Don't walk out of the doors today without stepping in the elevator. If you step in there now and then you go away, the elevator's with you the whole time. Doesn't matter where you go, if you pass on at that point, you will go to heaven. So we're going to say a prayer this morning, and it says in Romans the 10th, chapter verse 9 and 10, that. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. That's a promise from God. If you do that, you will be saved. That means you will go to heaven. So you've got to confess that first and you've got to ask Jesus into your heart. So this morning, we're going to say a prayer. We're going to give you the opportunity to do that. We could all bow our heads and just say, say a prayer. So if that's you this morning, you don't know for sure that you're going to go to heaven, we invite you to say this prayer this morning from your heart to pray it pray from that deep place inside of yourself. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. That he died on the cross for me. And that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I call you my Lord. I welcome you in my heart. I welcome you in my life. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at rhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.